You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. Are you ready to blab with me? Grab a front row seat as I adventure through motherhood, build my career, and not lose my shit. This podcast is a place for women to come together and relate through the highs and lows of business and motherhood, keep it real, and learn some new business tips and tricks while inspiring each other to do the dang thing. So close your eyes and take a deep breath, mama. You found us. It might not always be pretty, but you can count on one thing. We are in this hot mess together. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. Oh my gosh, it has been an entire month since the podcast came back from that brief hiatus I took last fall, and it feels so good to be back behind the mic doing what I love doing. The conversations and interviews that I've had since I've been back have been amazing. The business blabs have been so informative. It just feels so good to be here and get back into the swing of things. I am so happy to be back. I cannot express it enough. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for sticking around through all of the changes that we've had here and the evolution of Boss Ladies and Babies to where we are now. If you're new here, thank you so much for joining us. I am so glad that you found the safe space to connect with other moms and women as they adventure through business and motherhood and everything in between. Your support means the world to me and I love making these episodes for you guys and I'm so excited. I'm just so excited to be back. My guest this week got me equally as excited because she was amazing. This was actually her first podcast interview and she's just a natural. This episode had me so pumped up. I was uplifted. I laughed. I cried. I felt all the things. It was such a great conversation. And at the end of the episode, she actually shares in a live reading two of her poems that were just literally perfect. So make sure you tune in to the end to hear that as well as the most (laughs) embarrassing, hilarious, hot mess moment that I think we've ever had on the show. So you want to make sure that you don't miss those things. And we're going to get to this episode really quickly here. But before we do, I'm going to drop my highs and lows really quick, and then we will bring on our guest. All right. So My high for the week is I have been getting ready to get back on stage for the Abundant Entrepreneur Summit, which is going to be happening on the day this podcast comes out. So I have not done a talk like this since September at the last summit I was in. So I'm super excited to dust off the old Zoom camera and get up there and share my favorite topic, being the vulnerable professional, with a a bunch of amazing entrepreneurs and I'll be sharing the stage with just the most incredible women. So it's really an honor to be part of something like that and I cannot wait to do that. So next time you hear from me, I will have had another talk under my belt and I'm so so excited if you can't tell. I'm just excited in general right now. Like I'm just feeling feeling good, feeling excited. My low for the week is I mean this pregnancy, you guys, it's just been, it's, it's been interesting. It's it's so much different than my last pregnancy. And so I think my low for the week is one day I will have a ton of energy. And if you know, I've been 
pretty bedridden for like all of December and part of January. So I'll have a ton of energy one day and I'll do all the things like I will be super motivated. I'll do all the chores and I'll do all the work and I'll wake up early and I'll just like feel great. And then the next day or two days after that, I'll be like a brain fog dead zombie for like, I don't know if I'm like overdoing it or if it's just the way it's going as I'm adventuring through this journey here. So that was kind of my low for the week. I had a couple really motivated days and then a couple really low days. Um, and you never know what you're going to get, right? It keeps me guessing. So, so that's definitely been interesting. But all right, enough about that. I am so, so excited to introduce you all to Jill of Mom Said Duck. And we are going to be talking about how she lost her job in the corporate world and discovered her creativity and became an entrepreneur. And she created Mom Said Duck and she shares her story on how this came to be, which is just like one of those moments where it's like, that was meant to be. It's such an incredible story. And Mom Said Duck is a series of poems for moms who swear, moms who care, and moms who have messy hair. And the poems are usually saucy, sometimes sweet, but they're always honest, an honest take on the wild experience of being a mom. Jill is so talented, and the poems that she reads at the end just give you a taste of what she's all about. I mean, it was an honor to have her on the show. So I can't wait for you to hear this. Please help me welcome to the show, right after this short break, Jill from Mom Said Duck. Mamas, I have been working on something just for you, and I want to take some time to tell you about Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters. Consider this your new personal headquarters. BlabHQ provides you instant guidance and education around all the things it takes to run a business while raising babes. Balance, time management, personal and business identity, business foundation, branding, social media, and so much more. It's time to get bossy and take your business to the next level with accountability, networking and support, and a community full of cheerleaders helping you ditch the side hustle and create the business and life of your dreams. Everything you need right here in one place with a community of people who understand you. I'm currently looking for founding members to join Boss Ladies and Babies headquarters at a special price of just $27 a month for life. Prices will be going up in February, so if you'd like to get in and see what this is all about, check out the link in the show notes. It's time for this week's Boss Lady Business Spotlight. Meet Women Aware and Prepared. Women Aware and Prepared teaches women self-defense so they can feel less vulnerable and more empowered. Owner Mandy Pratt is a self-defense teacher, speaker, author, and advocate that helps women be safer and empowered with peace to outsmart the bad guys. Snag their Kindle ebook on pepper spray on Amazon and learn more at womenawareandprepared.com. Follow along on social at womenawareandprepared and check out the book on pepper spray on Amazon with the Kindle ebook. Hello, Jill. Welcome to the podcast. 
Hi, Megan. So glad to be here. First I'm podcast so... for me. So I'm so excited. Yes. I can't believe this is your first podcast. I feel honored to be chatting with you and to be the <laughs> one to have you on the show for the first time. So congratulations. And I'm so glad you're here. We are going to talk all about you and what you do and have a lot of fun today. And so before we get into everything, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let the listeners know who you are, what you do, what makes you a boss lady. Let's hear all about Jill. Mm -hmm. Sure. So yeah, so my name is Jill um, and um, I was a a different type of a boss lady um, in my, I call it my previous life. Um, So for about 10 years out of college or university for me, I'm Canadian. Um, I worked in um, the corporate setting for two different Fortune 500 companies um, in HR and labor relations. And that's kind of just sort of the path that I saw for myself. I was good at my job and I just kind of thought that's that's where things were going to go for me forever. So um, when I went on my second maternity leave um, with our son, um, I was surprised when I went to go back to work. Um, that five days before I was expecting to return, I was advised by my manager's manager that I no longer had a position to go back to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was like a huge punch in the gut. Um, and what most people say to me is, you know, how is that even legal? Um, and so, you know, not to sort of get into the weeds too much, but based on some loopholes, it was, um, but because it was sort of like so slimy and so shady and stuff, um, they gave me a really nice severance package. Mm. Um, and so, um, I went to a couple of labor lawyers and they're like, yeah, it's just not worth it for you to even fight this, just take it and run kind of thing. So, um, yeah. So then I, I took that and I went, okay, so obviously the first I'd say week, all I did was cry. Like literally that's all I could do was cry. I didn't leave my house. Um, And I think that my husband probably thought like, this is going to be the new Jill, like this Mm -hmm. all she's going to do is cry. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, eventually, you know, just like anything time heals wounds. Right. So um, I eventually kind of started getting back on my feet. Um, And what was interesting is that the very first thought that I had following the news of, of my job loss was that this was my out. This was my escape. This was my excuse to do something that sort of filled me up and and made me happy because I liked my job, but I didn't love my job. And my husband is somebody who loves his job. And so I kind of always looked at that and went, oh man, like, you know, I'm always going to kind of go to work and he's going to be loving what he's doing. And I'm going to be kind of like liking what I'm doing. And if I only like it now, you know, what, what is that to say in 20 years from now kind of thing. Right. And so when that happened, I was like, you know what, if there was one thing I knew for sure, it was, I was never going to go back to labor relations and HR. And so my next step, I guess, once I kind of like came out of my like cocoon and, and could sort of stretch my arms and stuff again, was that, um, I decided that I wanted to do something, like I said, that sort of filled me up and made me happy again. And that kind of made me happy. Um, and so I was like, kind of trying to put myself in places in my mind that like, that did that for me. So the first thing I thought of was, um, maybe opening a cafe in our, in our neighborhood seemed like there would be a need for it and that kind of thing. But the more I looked into it, the more I realized like, you know, it would just be kind of like, I'd be putting my, my family's sort of finances at jeopardy Mm -hmm. because I, I, there was tiny, you know, razor thin, uh, profit margins and, um, I didn't have any product knowledge. I'd never worked in a cafe. I'd never even been a waitress before. So I was kind of weighing all these things, but at the same time, while I was kind of like trying to 
build my, my next step and that kind of thing. And I was going to like local free business classes and, you know, um, yeah, doing all that kind of stuff, like, uh, you know, writing a business plan and all this kind of stuff. And in the meantime, that was over the course of a few months, probably. And in the meantime, my mom came over to my house one day and, and I get my sarcasm from my mom. So my mom came over to my house one day and she threw this book at me and she said, here, she said, you never, you say, I never kept anything of yours from when you were little here. I found this. And so I looked at it and it was a book that I had written when I was 10 years old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And it was called what's good for a 10 year old. And it was so good. Like I couldn't believe it. And the funny thing about it too, was that it rhymed. So this whole little book that I had written was in rhyme and it was like really good. <laughs> so I was like, you know, it was almost like an out of body experience where it was like, you were proud of someone else, but it was actually myself, you know, yeah. but it was, it was okay to be proud of me because I was a 10 year old then, or you know what I mean? Kind of thing. Anyway. So I like kept finding like excuses to like leave the room that day to keep reading this book. Like I couldn't put it down anyway. So the next morning um, our little guy was probably like, I don't know, like 18 months or old or so at the time, whatever he was anyway. So he came into our bedroom and we pulled him in bed with us as, you know, as I always do kind of thing. And my husband was sleeping and he was falling back to sleep. And I just kind of started massaging his toes. And then while I was massaging his toes, I just kind of like started making a little poem in my head, just like I had read, you know, from the stuff I had done when I was 10. And then, so kind of like, lo and behold, after like, you know, let's say like 10 or 15 minutes, I had come up with this poem in my head about his little body. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, that was like pretty good. So when my husband woke up a little while later, I was, I kind of like nudged him. I'm like, listen to this. What do you think of this? And he's like, wow, that was really good. I was, it was right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it was good. So from there, it just kind of like spiraled, like, like in a good way. So yeah. I was like, I kind of like couldn't peel myself away from my laptop. And I just, I probably over the course of like the next month or two, I probably had written like 15 or 20 poems and they were all based. They were all sort of the same structure, same style. And they were all based on being a mom, which is like, that's my world, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's kind of what was going on in my life at the time. And so like, you know, whether it be sleep or what to cook for dinner or whatever it was, it was almost like my frustrations were coming out in these poems, but they were sarcastic and whatever else. And then, so, um, yeah. So this is while I was kind of like looking into the cafe thing and that kind of wasn't like panning out. It wasn't working. It wasn't fitting and stuff. And so I remember my husband and I, we were supposed to be Christmas shopping and we ended up going to like the, like the, the restaurant connected to the mall and having drinks instead of Christmas shopping. Nice. And we're like, yeah. And so he was like, of course we're talking about life and all this kind of stuff and my situation and stuff. And he was like, you know, have you like, why don't you think about doing something with the poems that you've written? And I was like, I don't like, I don't know. Like, what do you, you know, what do you think I could do with that? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. But he's like, you know, maybe take it a little bit more seriously, like make a name for it, create a brand. And I was like, well, I was thinking about putting it on Instagram. And he's like, yeah, but take it further than that. Like, not just Instagram, like make it, like make it your own, make it a brand kind of thing. And I, and he said, well, I know this person at the gym who, um, you know, they help creative people um, turn their creative ideas into a business. And I was like, really? Oh. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well set me up with that person. And then it kind of just flourished from there. So I, I met with this person. I, I called them my creative coach. Nice. Um, and they sort of like, you know, said, you need to have a website. Um, so they sort of instructed me. They didn't do it for me. I'll, I wanted to kill them. Cause I'm like, just do this thing for me. Yeah, exactly. So I like built a website, which I'm really proud of. It's momsaidduck.com. 
Um, and um, they helped me sort of build out a newsletter. So I created something called Fresh Poem Friday, um, where I send um, my newsletter subscribers a new um, or a fresh poem every Friday, which holds me accountable because I have to write a new poem every week. And it also sort of, it's a cutoff as well. So I, I don't have more time than that. So I have to kind of, I have to do it. Yeah. So it kind of keeps me grounded, which I like. Um, yeah. And then, so that's kind of, that's been going on now for about a year and a half. Oh, there'll be two years on Mother's Day. I launched Mom Said Duck on Mother's Day in 2020. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where we are now. I have some things like kind of brewing for, for next steps for, for myself and for Mom Said Duck, but that's sort of the, in the, in a nutshell, how, how Mom Said Duck came to be. Oh my gosh. Well, congratulations. Two years. That is awesome. That's coming up so quick. It's that's huge. That's such a big milestone. I feel like there's so much to unpack with the story that you just shared. It's just like <laughs> one of those, like as cliche, cliche as it is, one of those, like everything happens for a reason moments, but you didn't really see that reason at the time, like to be let go of your job when coming back from having a baby, like that's got to be absolutely terrifying. And I have a feeling that probably happens more often than we hear about too, but what a beautiful thing that that was able to lead you to this path of what you're doing now, something that you really, really love and are really passionate about. Please tell me that you still have the book that your mom brought you from when you I do. do. I do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) Do you ever look back at it like for inspiration now? Yeah. Every once in a while I pick it up and, um, and kind of like, yeah, flip through it and stuff. And yeah, it is, it is. It's just so cool that that like little book that, you know, that she just so happened to find, you know, inspired, hopefully, you know, my career moving forward. So yeah, Yeah. I'm definitely someone who believes in the universe and things happening for a reason and that kind of thing. So I think that, I think that that all happened for a reason for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you, like, did you think about writing at all between when you wrote that book, when you were 10 and like, when you discovered the book again, you know, what's so funny about that is that I, for my entire adulthood. So I'm going to say from like the time I was like, I don't know, like a teenager until this happened. Um, I, I sort of almost like coined the term that I don't have a creative bone in my body. Mm. I, always said that I don't have a creative one in my body when it comes to art, when it comes to writing, when it comes to whatever, I was always like, no, that's not my deal. Somebody else needs to do that or whatever, because I don't have a creative bone in my body. And so when this sort of happened, I kind of had forgotten about that. And then it was like, oh my God, am I creative? Like it was like, holy shit, I'm creative too. Like, and then that's where I'm kind of like, okay, turns out everybody is creative. Like anybody can be creative is kind of how I look at it now, because you know, as somebody who said all the time, I don't have a creative bone in my body to now be doing what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. So I I think we all have it in us. I think we all have that little spark. We just have to kind of dig for it and look for it. Exactly. And sometimes it takes like a big life event to make us find it. And, you know, we put ourselves in these boxes and we tell ourselves these stories, like I'm not this, or I'm not that it's hard for us to really discover our passion sometimes. And then we get stuck in jobs that we don't love. Right. And then, you know, maybe something happens where we're inspired to get out of it, or maybe we stay stuck. So I think that, you know, that's really interesting that that wasn't even something in the back of your mind for all those years. Mm -hmm. And now it's what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. And it's funny that you say that like the stay stuck thing is, you know, if I, if I really was being honest with myself, about my old position or positions or whatever in HR and labor relations and stuff. If I'm being honest, it was like, I kind of almost knew that I eventually I would feel stuck, you know? Mm. 
And so it was like, but I was good at my job and it was sort of niche and there's not a lot of women in, in like, and I was specifically in manufacturing unionized environment, obviously with labor relations. So it was like, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I was sought after, but because I was a young woman in this, in this role, it was like, I knew that I could find a job elsewhere, especially because I live in a, in a, um, like a unionized city, I guess. So I knew it wouldn't be hard for me to find another job after, um, all of that, but it, it just, it was like a sick feeling in my stomach when I, when I sort of visualized myself in another office setting, doing what I was always doing. It just, right. it just didn't fit anymore. It just wasn't, it wasn't part of my identity, which is funny though, because it was part of my identity mm-hmm. because when I lost my job, it was such an ego punch that, you know, still to this day, I'm, 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 I have a hard time with it. I'm, I'm still sort of grappling with it because I, I, I made good money. And so I hate to, you know, like money isn't, isn't the be all end all, but to go from, you know, I go, go to go from making six figures to making nothing after my severance was paid out and stuff like that. That's a big punch in the gut. So luckily my husband is able to support us and, and, you know, I can pursue, you know, what I'm doing now. And of course I, you know, I'd love for it to be an empire one day. I'd love for mom said duck to be huge. Um, but it's not yet. And I'm trying to sort of like muddle through and, and make my way, you know, there, um, but, uh, but it's definitely, um, it's, it was definitely a punch in the gut. It was definitely a, a blow to my ego. It, it, it still is. I'm working through it. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting stronger every day. I like to think so. Yeah. And, and thank you for sharing that. Cause I know that that can be really vulnerable and that's kind of like the ugly side of entrepreneurship that so many of us don't talk about. Like, yes, it's an amazing that we have this passionate thing that we love to do and all of this creativity and we're, you know, coming out and making our own way. Like that's all really amazing and beautiful things, but it does come with the really hard side and the climbing your way up and, you know, failing and realizing maybe you're not on the right track and pivoting and recalibrating Mm -hmm. yourself. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to, grab onto something that you're passionate about and make it into a career and not just a hobby or a passion project. And I think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength and a lot of vulnerability to be able to do that. And I think that's something that we should talk about more because people just see, you know, successful entrepreneurs and they think, wow, they just woke up one day, had this great idea and now they're killing it. Why can't I be like that? Right. And that's really Mm -hmm. discouraging for somebody who's just getting started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like boss ladies and babies, it started because, and a lot of you guys know my origin story, but when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was just freaking out about being a boss lady, entrepreneur, businesswoman, and also being a mom. Right. And nobody was talking about it at the time. And I started the podcast just as like an outlet as a creative way for me to burn off some steam to vent Mm -hmm. and to just kind of relate to other women and talk about these experiences that I was going through and just kind of let people know like hey you're not alone in this and it started as like this huge passion for me and since then it's grown into my main career right but I've been doing this for almost four years and it's a slow climb and you have to just have so much grit and constantly be flexible with what's going to happen because things change and it's really hard to see the end picture sometimes. And it's really easy to get discouraged and fall off. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's work at the end of the day. Right. So as much as like, it's a passion project and it's like, woohoo, you know, like I'm doing what I love and it's like, I mean, I am, but it's still, you know, 
I sit in front of my, you know, if I'm sitting in front of the TV or something like that, while my kids go to bed finally and whatever, and I'm typing, like, I don't get to fully watch the show that I, you know, want to Netflix and chill, but because right. I have to continue and make sure that I send out my poem this week. So it's like, you know, it, that's the other part of it too, that like, I think before I became an entrepreneur, I, I sort of glorified that part of it, right. Where it was like, oh, it's all going to be like puppy dogs and rainbows. It's all going to be like, you know, just like so passion driven, um, but it's still work at the end of the day. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like combining the two and, and sort of keeping that passion, but realizing that you still have to be held accountable. And, but the thing is too, you have to hold yourself accountable. And that's what, it, that was something too, that I had to sort of like get used to. And I'm, I still am, um, you know, putting myself on a timeline and all that kind of stuff, because I used to have performance reviews mm -hmm. to get myself raises or whatever the case was. Right. I don't have those anymore. So it's like, I have to almost do my own sort of mental performance review, which is like hard too. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there's been so much over the last, um, like almost two years now that, um, I've learned and I'm grateful for and all that kind of stuff, but it certainly is grit. I think that's almost like a, a keyword or a buzzword when it comes to being mm -hmm. an entrepreneur is grit. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, and I love what you said about like, you have to almost give yourself performance reviews. That's such a good idea. Like that's something that I might start incorporating like quarterly performance reviews, monthly performance reviews, just to check in with myself and be real about like what's working, what's not working. Like that's okay to do. I've also found that when you are creating a business around a passion, especially a creative passion or, you know, whatever your passion might be, there's a really fine line because you love it and you're obsessed with it. And so it's really hard for me, at least to, to turn it off. Like when I'm just mm -hmm. watching Netflix or if I'm on my phone, like everything I'm doing feels like work, even though it's things I love. Like I like to joke and tell people every hobby I have turns into a business hmm. because I just get so obsessed with it. And I, I just have such a hard time turning it off. I love it so much. And so I'm like, always working, always working, which leads to burnout, but then mm -hmm. you love the thing. So you want to keep doing the thing. <laughs> and it's just mm -hmm. like such a vicious cycle. Yeah. It's so true. I always refer to um, mom said duck as our, as like another member of the family. Yes. It's just kind of like, like my husband um, in, in his profession too, he has his own business as well. And so it's sort of the same thing, you know, his company and, and my, my, my business um, you know, they just kind of become part of your life. And, and that's a good thing. I think, right. I, I kind of treat mom said duck as if it's like a okay, you little shit, what do you need next? Like kind of thing, you know, like, oh yeah, you're still nagging at me for something or whatever. Right. So, um, it definitely feels like a family member. Oh, I love that so much. I love it. Okay. So sometimes people in our lives, right. When you're in a corporate setting and then you, you, you leave that, whether it was not by choice or by choice, and then you get into something creative that may not be bringing in as much income and you're trying to grow this new thing that can be really hard for other people around you to adjust to your lifestyle change. How has that experience been for you? Honestly, I think it's just been more myself um, and battling myself in my own ego. Mm -hmm. um, I am super lucky to have my husband be as supportive as he is. Um, when I lost my job and I, and I kind of kept saying like, I'm not going back to what I did before. I'm not going, he's like, I don't want you to, if that didn't make you happy, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do something that makes you happy. Um, and good. yeah. And so I think it was just, I think that it, you know, at the end of the day, I only really battle myself about that. Now, my parents though, on the flip side, um, who I'm super close with, 
Um, they are just like the hardest workers I've ever met. My mom clean, cleans houses for a living. My dad worked in manufacturing for like 40 years or something like that. He just retired, um, you know, seven days a week, 12 hour days, da, da, da. but this is what they did. Like, this is the, this is them. They just, they work, 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 their workhorses. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that when I lost my job that, or sorry, I shouldn't say I knew I figured that when I lost my job, my parents would be expecting me to go back and do the thing and get the job and keep contributing to society and my family and did it all that kind of stuff. Right. And so I remember the first phone call that I made in the first conversation that I had was with my mom after I lost my job and I was bawling my eyes out. And the first thing I said to her was, I'm not going back to what I did before I said, and I was crying and I said, don't expect to see me going back to like applying for those types of jobs. And I said, all I know, I don't know what that means, mom, but all I know for some reason is I'm not going back. So I kind of almost like put up a boundary the second it happened. And I mean, she's, they've been great. They've never said, why don't you, you know, like there's never been anything like, you know, questioning me or challenging me or anything like that, which is, I, you know, I kind of like, it it was almost like too much. I probably didn't even need to to do that, but I just know that they're such hard workers that it was like work kind of comes first, you know? So don't, who cares if you like it, who cares if you enjoy it or you love it or that comes first where I kind of was like right off the hop, I'm not doing it. So, um, yeah, I didn't really, I haven't really felt much of that again with myself. I certainly have. So it's kind of like, where's the money, you know, like, why isn't the money coming in yet? But it's only been two years and I have to keep reminding myself of that. You know, my husband has been doing what he's been doing for 15 years. So after 15 years, if I'm still trudging along with mom's a duck and I'm making $0, yeah, sure. Like I should probably be looking in the mirror and going, okay, you know, now what or whatever. Right. But that's not the case. It hasn't been even two years yet. So I have to kind of be patient with myself. And, um, again, yeah, keep learning, learning sort of new ways to uh, market. Like for example, I'm in a, um, a marketing seminar right now. And so I'm trying to learn these skills that I never, you know, took in university or college or whatever. I never, um, you know, I didn't know myself and I can't beat myself up for not knowing that because you don't know what you don't know. right? Right. So, um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question or not. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it definitely did. And I really like that perspective of it. it's a lot of yourself that is kind of giving you those feelings because we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And, you know, when you're getting into entrepreneurship, there's so much that you're not going to know until you do it. And that's why it can be such a slow climb, I think, because you are learning so much and evolving at such a rapid pace but it feels slow as the person who's trying to make the climb, like the amount of knowledge that you gain as an entrepreneur in just like a few months is incredible. And that you're able to instantly put that into your business and instantly start, you know, making these changes from the outside and like the whole of your business. It's huge. But for you as that singular person trying to make it happen, it feels really small. And I really like your mindset and your perspective. You know, it's not always easy to feel that way, but it is nice to remind yourself of those things and surround yourself with people who can really support you in those feelings. And so I think that that's a really, really good mindset to have. Thanks. So your poems are inspired by motherhood, right? Mm -hmm. Mostly Mm -hmm. or, okay, perfect. How do you... Like when you're having a hard time, do you channel that through your poems as well? Or is, are they all just kind of like fun parts of motherhood? Like, let's talk a little bit about how those poems come together. Yeah. So, um, I found that it was almost like a waterfall of ideas and and stuff that came out when I first started doing it. And I think it's because, and it's kind of like a little bit slower now, but I think it's because, um, 
when I started writing them, uh, our little guy was um, really, really young. And so, or like, really, like, I mean, he was like, I don't know, like two or, you know, one and a half or whatever he was. And so I was not sleeping as well. And um, there was just kind of like more stress kind of thing. And now that he's getting older, I find anyway, that as kids get older, it's different types of stresses. Um, and so I found that at the beginning, it was like, I was like, you know, in my poems, I was like bitching and complaining about sleep or bitching and complaining about like, you know, I don't know, you know, like the kind of stuff that kind of goes around like little, little ones kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and, and then also too, it was like kind of like low hanging fruit topics, like, um, mom guilt, for example. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, every mom experiences mom guilt. So I wrote a poem about it, but it's like, well, I can't write another poem about mom guilt. Um, so like, as I move forward, um, it's, it's become more difficult to sort of find the inspiration, but kids, somehow always like my kids anyway always somehow give me a new thing to talk about um so like just like last week I was or a couple weeks ago or whatever I was tickling my son he loves to be tickled he asks to be tickled all the time he's somebody who like you know if he's having like he's in a mood or something like that I can grab him and tickle him and then he's like breaking you know he broke free from that mood so then I wrote a, a poem about tickling and being tickled right so it's like now I'm kind of getting more into like the nitty-gritty um, um topics and stuff like that but um it seems to be I mean I I have I, I always seem to have a list of things to write about so I you know I always have five or six things and that has never run dry yet I have about 60 poems on my website and um my I'm, I can't even believe I'm going to say this out loud so um, my like potential goal or dream or whatever would be to write 365 poems about motherhood and um, eventually publish a book called uh, Mom of the Year and have a new poem for every day of the year. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, I love I'm that. Only at, I'm only at 60. So okay, like, you only have 305 more to go. That's <laughs> you mean you are on your way. So we'll see. Um, we'll Wait, see. That's like, an that incredible, incredible idea. Like let's pull together and make this happen. Let's help you make this happen. However we can. Like, yeah, I know like everybody listening would buy that book. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, the writing of the poem, to be honest, isn't, I don't really have a hard time with it. It just kind of like comes and, um, I, I, I'm a very emotional person. I'm a very passionate and emotional person. So I can sort of some, I can, I can easily sort of tap into the emotion of a topic quite easily. So I don't have a problem writing the poem. It's honestly coming up with topics, which I've been able to do, but it scares me that like, it's going to like run out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, again, so far it's been okay. And it seems to be sort of moving along more of a slow drip than it was at the beginning. Cause those were more sort of generic topics. Um, but, but yeah, so fingers crossed, I can come up with 305 more, yes. <laughs> more to talk about and write about. Well, I mean, what you talk about is so relatable. I mean, to any stage of motherhood, because even if somebody doesn't have a young child, like they could still pick up that poem and be like, oh, I've, I've been there. I remember those days, right? Like you, as your children grow, you're just going to have constant content. I mean, it's just a genius model of to have inspiration around because you're, you're never going to run out of relatable things to write about. It feels like. I hope so. I hope you're right, Megan. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I love it. I, I also love writing. Um, I, I published a book this year, which was more like different kind of writing than what I've ever done, but also just like poems. And my thing is cheesy rap songs. Like 
I'm the girl at the wedding who doesn't give a speech. I give a rap instead. Oh, nice. And so I just love stuff like this. Like, I just, I love that you turn that into your career. I think it's so special when you're able to do something that makes people smile or, you know, feel something and put yourself out there. I feel like it's just such a special thing that you do. Thanks. That's, that's really nice of you to say. And actually I have to say, you said something about like, you know, the kids getting older and there's always going to be something to talk about and, and how moms who, you know, might not have young kids right now, um, you know, could look back and remember. And so um, one of my biggest fans is my husband's grandmother and she um, will be 98 next month. And whenever I see her, they live out of town. So whenever I see her, she's always asking to see my next or to see my last poem or for me to read her, you know, a recent poem or whatever. I can't read all of them to her. Some of them are are raunchy. Um, They're a little bit too much for grand, but, um, but anyway, so the one time I had, I had, or sorry, she took, she's amazing. She took my phone and she can even scroll my phone. So I blew it up for her a little bit so she could read it. And she scrolled my phone. her wall like what is she you know what is she thinking what is she whatever and then so she put the phone down she handed it back to me and she looked at me with the sweetest little look and she said you brought me right back and so the fact that she's 98 you know and her kids were kids what 60 years ago or something like that right so the fact that I brought her back it was just like it just kind of lit me up and it made me sort of feel inspired again and um, made me kind of realize that this is something that is relatable to, you know, to anyone who has had kids, whether you're 98 or whether you're, you know, someone who's looking to have, you know, wants to have children or something like that. So um, yeah, that was, that was a really special moment for me. I don't know if it's like the pregnancy hormones or what, but that brought tears to my eyes. Like that is just so powerful. That's, I mean, that's why we do what we do, right? For people to feel on that level. Like that's so Mm -hmm. beautiful. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. What a great piece of inspiration to just like keep in your pocket whenever you're feeling down about anything. That's wow. That's powerful. For sure. And I'm so lucky too, because, and again, like, you know, we all believe different things and all this kind of thing in the universe and God and stuff like that. And um, Gran's really religious. And she always says to my husband and I, I pray for you that you two are always inspired. So she prays for us every day that we're always inspired. And I don't know if I keep getting these sort of new ideas to talk about and and to write about because of Gran, but um, I really appreciate her praying for me because if, you know, it is coming from her, it's, it's, it's working. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy about that. Yeah. She's actually, I even, I wrote a poem called matriarch and she's um her picture is on my website because it's just such a regal she I, I told it was from our wedding actually and when she walked in I said I said grand you look like a queen and mm. she said and I feel like one too oh that's so sweet yeah she's just so wonderful yeah she's amazing so oh my god yeah I and that's it. the thing too like there's a lot of female energy in mm-hmm. my in my poems there's a whole lot of like that sort of feminist female energy that's just who I am as a person so it's it certainly shines in my poems yes sure. we love it okay well I would love to have you share a couple poems with us if you're up for it Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm so excited. It's been a while since I read a poem out loud, so give me one second. Okay. So I'll read two poems. Um, I'll read like a sweeter one, um, and then I'll read kind of like a funnier, sarcastic one. Okay, I'm excited. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, so this one's called Mom Guilt. Mom Guilt is real, as real as the struggle. It's as real as you feel when you're kid and you snuggle. Have I told her I loved her any more times than him? 
Should I read books after bath or finally go to the gym? I missed my daughter's field trip because I got caught up at work. That mom used vacation days. Now this one feels like a jerk. My darling boy was breastfed about a month longer than her or the other way around. Ugh, their childhood's a blur. Do I tell my kids enough that mommy loves them both so dear? Do they know they are my world? If not, that is my greatest fear. Oh my God, there is a mess in each room I seem to pass. Should I do the damn dishes or sit down and help with her math? Did they play outside enough and eat more veggies than sweet treats? Was that cu cucumber organic? We've been more conscious about meat. Mama, will you play with me? Is something that I often hear, but it's far and few between if I dare look into a mirror. In fact, sometimes I scream and shout and likely look like a buffoon. Perhaps I'll learn to meditate or maybe buy them a balloon. It can creep up out of the blue when you do not expect it there. Mom guilt can overcome you and it really isn't fair. So if you're anything like me and these thoughts also intervene, just focus, smile and laugh. Then promptly fix your crown, my queen. Okay, I'm crying. <laughs> you know so what? Funny. I'm I am too because I was the buff I was the buffoon that screamed and shouted this morning with my daughter when we were leaving for school because we we're going to be late again for the second time this week and it's only Tuesday. And I'm like, oh my god, like why did it? Like I'm reading this thing. Why did I act like that this morning? But like you know, anyway. So oh, all of that, yeah, all of that, just like, whew, that was whew. okay. Let's hear the funny one. <laughs> it was just too good. Oh. <laughs> Okay, uh, this one's called I lie sometimes. Sometimes I lie to get through the day. Often I tell you there's no other way. I lie to my kids about whose snack is bigger. I tell them it's equal. If not, then I trigger. A damn fight about how her portion's way smaller. Like I give a damn duck. Please cut out the hauler. I lie to them too about what's in their food. I may say that it's noodles when it's really tofu. I lie about bedtime because why the duck not? Are we there yet? Yep, almost, when really we're not. I lie about what I do with their art. Is our house the damn Louvre? No, this mom is smart. When they see a fast food bag, I lie about that. Did you go without us? No, it's from a while back. I lie when I need just a minute alone. I'm up here going poo, guys, when I'm on my phone. It's a lie when I threaten that they won't go see their grandma and grandpa if they disobey me. That one right there is the tallest lie of all. My rents are my weekend warriors, and mama needs a trip to the mall. There is only one thing about which I don't lie, and that's that I love them from here to the sky. Oh, you're so oh, sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Seriously. I like, I muted myself because I was cracking up and I didn't want to like, overshine the poem. That was so good. I had goosebumps. Like I was just like nodding my head, relatable. Oh my gosh. You are amazing. Thank you. Oh, you're sharing so those. Thank you. Those are so good. Like, and just hearing you read them. And now when people go and read them on your website or in your newsletter, they'll be able to hear it in your voice too, which I feel like just 
You're so good. I'm just like blown mm-hmm. away right now. I feel so mm-hmm. lucky to have you come on the show and read those. Thank you so Aww. much. Thanks so much for having me and this and for this opportunity. It's um, reading those out loud. Like again, like it, it helped fill me up. So it's funny, like as an entrepreneur, the, the little things that sort of inspire you and help fill you up and that that did that for me. So thank you. And one of the um, one of the goals of Mom Said Duck, again, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud because nobody knows this or whatever, um, is that I want to, I want to do like a kind of like a poetry slam, um, you know, poetry night slash comedy night because I sort of always seem to be sarcastic. So, um, you know, and like kind of like maybe that's something that I do too, where I sell tickets and you come see the, the poem or whatever. So that kind of like made me feel like, yeah, yeah, that's something you should do or that's something you could do because it felt really good to do that. So thank you for that opportunity. Yes, no, thank you. I would be there. I'm like fangirling over here. Like, can I have your autograph? <laughs> you are amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do next. I'm so excited. Aww. Thank you. All right. I've got a couple more questions before I let you go. So if you could tell someone who's searching for a creative outlet or to make a pivot into a true passion of theirs and to help them figure out what their thing is, what would you tell them? So mine kind of happened in a really different way. Um, where it was kind of thrust upon me, I suppose you could say. Um, but what I would suggest um, is to just try it. Like if you have a nudge, just do it. And, you know, no one's looking, no one's paying attention. If some, if there's anything I've realized about being an entrepreneur is that like, you can kind of look at things in, two, in one of two ways, either, you know, nobody gives a shit and you cry or it's like, yes, nobody gives a shit, Yeah, you know? So that. it's like, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, just do the thing, just do the thing by yourself. And if it's something that you kind of like, it's, it feels right. And, and that kind of thing, then, then just keep pursuing it, keep going for it. We only have one life. Right. And so I'm, you know, I'm so glad that that kind of, that thing happened to me, that bad thing happened to me because I wouldn't be doing the thing that I'm doing right now. So it's like, um, and, and, and what I've done through this whole thing is I just kept following the nudges. I just kept following what, what felt right. What felt good. I'm somebody who feels a lot. Like I said, I'm emotional. I'm passionate. I, that also makes me more illogical though, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. So that's not all, it doesn't always pan out perfectly for me. Um, but in this way, I think it, it has where it's like, I, I followed my feelings. I followed the nudges and I kind of just keep doing that. Like I said, I had of, you know, doing this like poetry slam thing or something like that and reading my poems and kind of chit-chatting and having fun with the crowd kind of thing that's just a feeling I have, but I can picture it. And I don't know if that's manifesting or not, but like, I can picture it in my mind, what that looks like. And, um, stuff like that. So it's like, why, why not just kind of follow it and see, see where it would go. So I guess my suggestion would be to follow the nudges. If you have a nudge, grab it and, and play around with it and and go for it. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. I had, you know, something similar happened to me with the pandemic and, you know, I had been doing boss ladies and babies as just that passion project. And I was able to, because of the pandemic, really be quiet enough to sit in a quiet space and actually hear those nudges. Right. And so I, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, I just think, you know, it's important for us to slow down enough and pay attention. We get so busy in life, you know, with what's next and what's next for business and what's next for my kids. And, you know, all the things that we have to do that it's really hard to just be quiet and listen to what is in front of us and the potential that we have. And so that's, that's beautiful advice. Thank you so much. All right. I'm not going to let you go without my favorite part of the show. (laughs) This is our hot mess moment segment because 
life's full of hot messes. We've all been there. So in this segment, <laughs> it's your chance to share an embarrassing confession about a time that you've been a total hot mess. <laughs> okay. So I wish I had like, um, thought about this more than just this morning, because the one thing that kept popping into my mind, I was like, Jill, you can't say that. Like, you, oh, you can say it. <laughs> I'm like, you can't say that as a hot mess moment. This is ridiculous, but you know what, whatever. It's a hot mess, embarrassing moment. So say la vie, it is what it is. Right. I, my life is basically one big giant hot mess moment, Megan. So, um, for me to like boil it down to one for this to be the one that stands out, I guess that's why. Cause like, you know, like I said, everything anyway, so here, here it is. So my husband and my daughter and I were like downstairs hanging out, whatever. And, um, my little guy came downstairs and he's holding this little purple thing that's buzzing and sure as shit, it was my vibrator that he found <laughs> on my side table. So let's just say I yeah, grabbed it from him. Turned Like he was like, this thing's so cool. <laughs> it's moving. It's why are you like, what else can I do with this thing? Oh my God. Yeah. So like, <laughs> like you can't find a better fucking spot for that thing. Oh, no. So it's made its way like to a way higher spot now. Um, <laughs> and eventually as my kids get taller, I guess I'll have to maybe lock it away. I don't know. But at this point, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it found a new home. It's been, it's bent. It's, it, 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 it got evicted from its old home. Let's just oh say Oh my that. gosh. What'd you do? Did you panic? Like, no. Well, yeah. And then of course, cause I'm like with my daughter, right. She's, right. she's eight. She has no fucking clue what any of that kind of stuff is obviously, right. but still like, I didn't want to ask questions or anything. So I grabbed it. And so of course she was like, what is that? What was that? And I'm like, Oh, you know, you like change the subject. You, yeah, gotta yeah. <laughs> you say you want ice cream, right? Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. gosh. That yeah. is... So there's mine. Oh, that is traumatizing. I feel like <laughs> so good on you for getting through that. It sounds like yeah. you handled it very yeah. well. What do you do? Right. And of course yeah. he has no clue because he's just like this. Oh my God. But yeah. So it was like, it was embarrassing. Thankfully we didn't have like guests over or anything like that. Like that is more like a Jill story. Like that would be like, you know, like what happened almost is like, okay, I'm not that surprised because it's Jill, like having guests here and that happened, that would be like yeah. more realistic for me. So I'm really grateful that we didn't yeah. have this. At least you night. and your husband were the only <laughs> yeah. ones who like knew how embarrassing it was. They were probably just like, oh, cool, whatever, you know, but yeah, traumatizing for you. For me, <laughs> yeah. And now for anybody listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's people who can relate. That's why we do these hot mess moments because, you know, sometimes it's like good to hear like, oh, wow, that happened to me too. That's pretty okay <laughs> oh my gosh thanks for sharing okay well I have had so much fun with you this morning I this has been just such a treat so thank you so much before I let you go please tell everybody where they can find you what's coming up next for you how they can support you all the things Cool. Yeah. So, um, my, uh, website hosts all of my poems. Um, and so that's momsaidduck.com. Um, I actually, um, have a podcast too, but my podcast is like totally different format. All it is, um, is each of my poems is in an episode. Um, so if you go to Spotify or iTunes or whatever, you can find a mom said duck podcast on there as well, um, where you can hear me say the poems because nice. I, I, like I said, I get lit up whenever I get to say them. So that was like an opportunity for me to say the poems during the, the pandemic. Um, and, um, on Instagram, you know, at mom said duck, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, of, um, 
where else you might be able to find me. Yeah, so that's what I've got going on right now. Um, I um, have a workshop that I run um, every so often. Um, and it's, you know, kind of tapping into your creative side and, uh, and, and writing poetry and, and stuff like that, just in a really fun, sort of inclusive, um, low key environment. Um, so I run those every once in a while, they pop up on my website whenever there's a new one um, happening. But yeah, so um, yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram, check out my website. And uh, if you have any, um, you know, any uh, inspiration or anything like that, where you say, oh, this would be a really good mom poem or something like that, you know, shoot me a DM or something on Instagram. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to uh, consider it and, and maybe write a poem about it. Awesome. All right. So everybody go make sure that you check her out. Let's help her get to those 365 poems. So we can get that <laughs> book that we can't wait for. And that is all we have for today. So thank you again so much. And until next time, you've got this mamas stay bossy. Hey mama, is this you desperately searching for people who understand what you're going through as a mom owned business owner, battling major overwhelm with all of the tasks, business and mom life throw your way feeling like there just isn't enough time in the day, but happy there isn't because you're so freaking exhausted. Struggle with being fully present? Are you thinking about work when you're with your family and thinking about your family while you're working? Are you losing yourself while caring for everyone else and pouring from that infamous empty cup? Have you dreamed of growing your business and ditching the side hustle, but you're afraid that people won't take you seriously if they know you're a mom? I've been there. In fact, I'd venture to say any mom business owner has. And you know what makes this special? You aren't alone. And I want to tell you all about Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters because I have created a space just for you. I wish I had something like this when I became a mom. I was terrified about how I was going to balance everything I wanted to do. I'd been an entrepreneur my whole life and I also wanted to be home with my baby. I was convinced that people would lose respect for me if they knew I was a mother and that I would have to hide this huge part of myself to be seen as a professional. I was struggling so hard with finding the time to complete my to-do list without burning myself out. And I thought that I had to put my dreams on hold and keep them small so I could be there for my family. No one, and I mean no one, was talking about raising babies and building businesses. I was isolated, alone, and defeated. So I felt called to change this and I created my own safe space for boss ladies with babies. And I don't just mean infants, our children will always be our babies and a place full of support, resources and community to help each other break the mold, create a new culture and make our biggest dreams come true. All while being the mamas that we've dreamed of being. I created Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters just for you. You don't have to do this alone. You can have it all. Overwhelm is not a job requirement, and there is such a thing as balance when you get to choose how you create it. I want to tell you a little bit about Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters and see if this is the community you've been looking for. You'll be surrounded by a community of like-minded women who understand what you're going through. You will learn to discover how to create unique balance in your life and manage your time in a way that works for you. And you will build your authority as a boss lady by creating a solid identity and business foundation for your life and business. There are monthly trainings and workshops with interactive worksheets inside of this community, as well as monthly ideation hours and Q&A, monthly networking events, weekly accountability, weekly inspiration, and unlimited connection and interactions with like-minded women who get it. 
There's also a ton of bonuses included and so many benefits. I could talk about this all day. So if you are interested in becoming a member of Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters, check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure you follow us on social at Boss Ladies and Babies. Join the conversation in our private Facebook group and check out everything we have to offer like community, coaching, merch, and more at bossladiesandbabies.com. And until next time, stay bossy.